Hello, my name is Jacob Fenston. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Inequality is on the rise. The gap between the rich and poor is growing, and it has been for the past 30 years. Inequality of income and wealth has been blamed for everything from the recent riots in the UK to uneven growth in developing countries. This month, Finance and Development magazine takes up the theme of inequality and includes a lead article by Branko Milanovic. He's an economist at the World Bank and author of the recently published book The Haves and the Have-Nots. I spoke with Milanovic and asked him to start off by describing the changing picture of income distribution around the world. Well, the picture looks different because uh, developed countries or advanced countries have seen a rise in inequality, but these rises were still within some, let's say, normal or manageable limits. Uh, in uh, countries that, that are poor and are still middle-income countries like China, the, the, the rises in inequality have been much more dramatic. Now, we have some exceptions, and these are relatively recent exceptions in the last 10 years. Uh, Latin American countries that have uh, generally and historically been countries with very high inequality, actually higher than inequality in any of the countries that I mentioned before, have now gone on a path of a declining inequality. Uh, despite these declines in inequality in Latin America, these countries are still countries with much higher inequality than many others. So they are still among the most unequal countries in the world. What are some of the causes behind um, rising inequality in, in various parts of the world? For the, for the rich countries, essentially, I think we have uh, three causes that have been uh, floated as explanations. The first explanation puts the emphasis, and maybe it's the most strong so far, on technological change. Techno uh, we clearly know that we have been in, in a post-industrial revolution or the information revolution, and that revolution has apparently, it is argued, put um, an emphasis on skilled labor so that actually wages of skilled laborers went up compared to the wages of uh, uh, unskilled people, unskilled workers. Now, the second explanation puts the emphasis on um, globalization. In that explanation, which is linked with the first to some extent, you had advanced countries, particularly the United States, losing comparative advantage in many of its traditional exports, like obviously automakers are one of the examples that people give, textiles and others. And that means essentially that there is a downward wage pressure on people who were employed in those industries. And that uh, uh, downward pressure on wages and the fact that many jobs are lost leads to the rising gap between those who actually have good jobs and those who are in the declining industry industries and that leads to the increased inequality. Now, the, the third explanation is uh, putting greater emphasis on the role of government. According to that explanation, the role of government, um, in particular taxation policy in the rich world, uh, has been such as to reduce marginal and average tax rates on the very rich, and that has uh, widened the income distribution. Is inequality necessarily a bad thing? I mean, looking at the case of China 40 years ago, everyone was poor, you know, and, and now there is a middle class, there are a lot of rich people. 
is that necessarily a bad change in every case? That, that's true. I, you know, the, one of the problems about talking about inequality is that people really uh, ascribe to you the opinions that you don't necessarily have to, to hold. In other words, uh, uh, some people think that whenever you pronounce the word inequality, it signifies something horribly bad. Uh, and other people actually uh, believe that one should not at all study inequality because they somehow believe that whatever market produces must be great and optimal and we should not really at all even question. That uh, in reality, I think, and I think one has to, I uh, think, take a reasonable, in my opinion, position, which is an, a medium position. That, in other words, inequality may be in some instances good and in some instances bad. Um, a friend of mine from the World Bank, uh, Chico Ferreira, it is. He said it is like a cholesterol. In other words, there is a so-called good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. And similarly, inequality can be good because it leads people to work harder, to study harder, to actually take risks, to be more entrepreneurial and so on. But on the other hand, as, as an analogy with, uh, with bad um, cholesterol, it would suggest inequality can be too high, in which case actually it leads to neg negative effects. It leads to the maintenance of the status quo of the power of the rich, because what then happens is that essentially the rich are the only ones who are able to get good education, to get good jobs, whether it's private sector or public sector, and in other words, leads to bad outcomes in terms of growth, because essentially what you do, you eliminate from their possible contribution to the economy, uh, let's suppose one half of the people who are poor who cannot go to school, cannot get go up in terms of their, their income levels. And then basically they are cut off, excluded, and they are potentially, of course, many of them could be great artists, could be great engineers, could be great technicians, could be great IT specialists, but they cannot do it. We've been talking mostly about inequality within countries. Uh, what about global inequality or measuring the inequality amongst citizens of, of all countries, global citizens? Uh, the difficulty of studying that comes from the fact that we first don't have the data which is like a single census or a household survey for the entire world. So we essentially have to piece that income distribution by collecting surveys from all the countries. So once we have done, we do that, we can actually then generate something which you can call global income distribution. And that global income distribution, not surprisingly, shows a much higher inequality level than in any single country. Now, how has it changed over the last 20 years? Essentially, it has been, I think, stable until very recently, which means that it has been at a very, very high level, probably highest level ever recorded in history. But in the last about 10 years, uh, with high growth rates of China and India, and particularly now during the crisis with very low or quasi-zero growth rates in advanced countries, so Western Europe and the United States, Canada, and so forth, uh, the, the gap between countries has narrowed. And the fact that actually you have large masses of people in India and China who are becoming better off has led probably for the first time in the last two centuries to a decline in global inequality. Are there things that... Um things that international organizations can be doing to reduce global inequality? Well, for the global inequality directly, I don't think so. The, one of the 
problems, if you will, with global inequality is that, of course, there is no global government. So the only way that, in reality, that global inequality can be addressed at the, at the global level is through faster growth of poor countries. So we are really not putting the emphasis, I don't think we, one should, so much on global redistribution, which is very unlikely to actually become much more important than it is now. But the point is that actually it is through the channel of fast growth, in accelerated growth in poor countries that this can be done. Branko Milanovic, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Branko Milanovic is a lead economist with the World Bank. To hear more podcasts, you can find us online at www.imf.org slash podcasts.